Welcome to Recommended Daily Dose. Before we get started, I, my co-host is dying to tell us how his, his opinion of the Golden Globes and Ellen's speech did it for you, right? Was it Actually, I have to be honest. I, it wasn't the fact about Ellen's speech or who won the Golden Globes that was really interesting to me. I don't know if you know this, but it's the first time uh, that they, and I was actually very excited to hear about this, they went meatless, 100% plant-based menu. You mean no, like, chicken? No chicken, no Beef? no Popeyes, you know, nothing. All to raise awareness for food consumption and waste. You know what they had on there? They had king oyster mushrooms. They had risotto. Uh, they had beets. They had Brussels sprouts. So a lot of good stuff. Amazing stuff, actually. Well, it's actually fitting because uh, our guest today is actually – America's heart, healthy heart doctor, Dr. Joel Kahn, who is one of the world's leading cardiologists, no hyperbole involved. Uh-huh. He is the leading advocate for preventive medicine using a plant-based nutrition approach. You may have seen him on Dr. Oz, The Doctors, The Joe Rogan Experience, just to name a few. And actually, I was, you know, my Netflix and chill is kind of nerdy. I watch documentaries. Yeah. I was watching um, What the Beef, and uh, he was there. He, there he was. You're listening to Recommended Daily Dose with Drs. Clinton Coleman and Surge Sugger, the not-so-average health show with a unique spin on what's making headlines in healthcare. So we'd like to welcome Dr. Joel Kahn to the show. Thanks Dr. Kahn, welcome, welcome. How are you? Well, thank you very much. I fought like a dog to get a ticket to the Golden Globes, actually. I called everybody I knew, but that is apparently the hottest party uh, of the year in L.A. So we all had to watch it from a distance, and it was a breakthrough. I agree. So now, hottest party and now a healthy party to boot. So that that's something, huh? Uh, absolutely. I, mean, I don't know if you want to say hottest party anywhere anymore <laughs> with Australia coming up. But Brad, Brad Pitt was there. So. Brad Pitt. All right, so uh, Coleman has a man crush on Brad Pitt, so we'll leave it at that. But why don't we jump right into this? Because I think our focus today really is – uh, diving into and looking into what benefits uh, one might obtain by uh, having a plant-based diet, whether it's vegan, whether it's vegetarian, uh, whether it's pescatarian like me, you know, I think there's a lot of different uh, health benefits that you can uh, kind of uh, guide us upon uh, what one might expect. So just jump right in. Let's talk about heart disease since you're a cardiologist. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the very quick but very interesting historical overview, uh, and you can always find a, a little way to vary this, but a very bright internal medicine doctor in Los Angeles named Lester Morrison, MD. He's got many articles in PubMed, the National Library of Medicine. He wrote books. But he had a big practice. He had cardiology patients, and we're talking 1948-1949, essentially no therapy of any benefit for people having bad chest pain and even heart attacks. He observed what happened in Europe during World War II and countries that were taken over like Norway, how their diet changed and how they actually had a drop in death rate and heart attack rates during the World War years. Uh, some reports that the rich diet and animal-based diet and dairy-based diet uh, transitioned during those war years. Believe it or not, he created a diet that reproduced what people ate during the worst years of World War II. Right. He didn't call it, you know, the occupation diet. He called it the Morrison diet, put 50 heart patients on it, left 50 of his heart patients eating the way they were eating, and demonstrated in a series of real publications that the 12-year survival rate was 50%, 5-0, if you altered your diet to a largely plant diet, and it was 0% survival in these heart patients if they didn't change their diet. 
That was noticed by Nathan Pritikin, the famous engineer who ended up publishing medical data, started a food line, has a longevity center in his name that's still uh, functioning in many hospitals and in Miami. That was noticed by Dr. Dean Ornish, University of California, San Francisco, who did really the first quality study. You've got blocked arteries. You either go on a diet similar to that of plants, naturally low in oils. We get you to exercise and manage your stress, or you don't. And he showed by internal cardiac catheterization measured on computers in the most accurate way available then or now that you could actually stop and actually reverse plaque. That's probably the most important thing that people don't know. My doctor told me I got some blockage in a leg and a artery to my brain and an artery to my heart. Right. Might be facing a stand of bypass. Well, there's data. I just I just took us back 70 years or more uh, in the peer-reviewed literature, now reimbursed by insurance companies, that says patients can take control of this disease. And it's always in every study a largely or exclusively whole food, plant-based, naturally low in fat diet. It's not rich in butter. It's not rich in dairy. It's not rich in oils. And it's very effective. And it's not all that uh, intolerable or poorly palatable. It's just a different way to cook with spices and herbs and all. So, you know, that's a very quick overview why even bringing it up to date in November 2019, the most expensive cardiology research trial ever done called the ischemia trial. Took 2,500 people who were badly blocked and having symptoms and sent them off to stent and bypass, but took 2,500 and put them on excellent medication, told them about eating a low saturated fat diet and getting in a fitness program. The end of 3.3 years, death rates, hospitalization rates were identical. The point is, people really have a lot of control over cardiovascular disease if they're willing to explore, learn, and change. And plants are always going to win as the predominant or exclusive. So we're talking about fruits, vegetables, right. whole grains like oatmeal and brown rice, and finally peas, beans, lentils, soy products, the great legume family. Uh, you're always going to do well if you can learn how to cook a little bit at home. So there's a lot. That's an incredible overview. So there's a lot, I think, that you just said that we'd like to dissect. So we'll kind of like take turns going back and forth. So. Just first, when you say plant-based diet, you know, um, and first of all, I agree with you. We, we've talked a lot in the show about um, patients, you know, always having better compliance when they can feel they're taking um, control of their own health, right? So uh, we, we love that idea. But when you talk about plant-based, let's just start there with the diet, and then we can dive into other things um, because we want to get to things like um, uh, intermittently fasting and, you know, the different types of diets you recommend. So a lot of people out there will say, okay, I know I need to make fruits, vegetables, plant-based foods, you know, a larger part of my diet. So let's take one step back. Like someone might say veganism is the way to go. What about if someone says, well, I can't be a vegan, I can be a vegetarian. Myself, I'm a pescatarian. Someone else might say, well, I'm going to eat a lot of plants and vegetables, but I also eat uh, lean meats. Like how do we kind of, how do we approach that, you know, first and foremost? Yeah. So, I mean, there's a very small group of people that are actually in serious health conditions and they have badly blocked arteries and maybe they're facing stents, bypass. Uh, they've had an angiogram either by CT or an invasive angiogram and they're in trouble. Well, the data that we have to date says jump in and do it all. You know, you're facing surgery, you're facing stents, you're facing health issues. You really want to pick up and follow the path. Uh, of a Cleveland Clinic 
physician, Caldwell Esselstyn, and his book, Prevent and Reverse Heart Disease. So there is a group mm. that I will say, look, we're not taking six months. We're starting today together to create palatable foods. We're going to have oatmeal every morning and giant salads every lunch and giant bean soups every dinner. And we're going to vary them, but they're going to be delicious and you're going to do fine. For most people, there are a range of models right. that are less stringent and less uh, extreme than that. I don't find eating plant-based extreme, but they at least leave room. We've got the Mediterranean platform, less red meat, more fish, lots of fruits, vegetables, whole grains. We're not talking butter or dairy. We're talking if we're using oils, extra virgin olive oil. Uh, the DASH diet, the dietary approach to stop hypertension, which is very similar, but low sodium right salt than the, uh, than the typical Mediterranean diet might be. So I'm very happy when people dip their toe in the waters of plant-based eating. If you're eating a breakfast sandwich at the gas station, if you're eating bacon and eggs three, four times a week, I mean, simply changing to, you know, the idea would be a big bowl of oatmeal with berries and walnuts. You can have a bowl of uh, Ezekiel breakfast with almond milk, Ezekiel cereals or granola. I mean, you can make a giant smoothie with vegetables and fruit and flaxseed. There's a variety there. You can have a piece of whole grain toast with, you know, uh, peanut butter, almond butter and such on it. There's a variety of choices that are going to be an upgrade. And if that's all you did in January, change your breakfast to a plant-based, pleasing, meat-free, egg-free, dairy-free breakfast, you've made a great advance. And then we can talk about lunch. There's a wonderful book called Forks Over Knives Plan, How to Adopt a Plant-Based Diet. And that's what they teach. Breakfast, let's get that under our belt. Lunch, we're going to conquer that next. And we're going to bring lunch to work and have wonderful vegetables and salads and soups and stews. And then the last frontier is going to be dinners because that's when we have business meetings and holidays and celebrations. And that can be the most challenging for the person, you know, really starting out on this. Right. Yeah. And I, I'm, I think you agree that we're seeing a cultural shift in how we eat foods with, and, you know, being more plant-based oriented. Um, and I, I hope it's not a fad. I don't think it is. But, um, you know, my concern with that is are we replacing it with the right thing? So I'm a fan of the Impossible Burger, Beyond Burger. Uh, Dunkin' Donuts has the Beyond uh, Sausage Sandwich, and I'm waiting for Popeyes to have the Impossible Fried uh, Chicken <laughs> Sandwich. Right. But do you think that we're just replacing, you know, more processed foods with other processed foods? Because those those burgers, whether they're plant-based, aren't necessarily more healthy, I guess. It's just the way we're, you know, interpreting what we're doing for ourselves. Yeah, you know, I've lectured for years using a um, little quote from Michael Pollan, a food author a lot of people know, which is, if it's from a plant, eat it. If it's made in a plant, skip it. Well, that always kind of referred to Mm. processed bacon or a sausage pizza you'd find in the grocery store. You know, nowadays it's more confusing because there's lots of plant-based foods that are made in a plant. They're processed. So how does that all settle down? You know, if you're into the environment and you don't want Australia fires and California Napa Valley fires, you care a lot about the environment. We know the Impossible Burger is much more environmentally friendly a choice than a beef burger. That was studied at the University of Michigan, and right. the numbers are dramatically different for greenhouse gases and the rest. We've for heard we're up to 25%, I think, actually comes from a cow's rear end is what we've been told methane. in the past, right, from methane yeah, yeah, and the greenhouse that's gases. Yeah, it's true. But when you talk about health, the, the study that's most often discussed um, the Harvard School of Public Health has a large database of nurses and doctors. You're familiar with it. 
and they they haven't told people to eat vegan or told people to eat processed, but they have a, a lot of questionnaires that they do every four years, and they developed an index, and the index was plant-based eating index. That did better than the standard diet that the rest of the nurses and doctors were eating. Plant-based foods favor health and avoidance of disease. But then they separated it. They created an artificial construct, unhealthy plant-based diets. If it's chips and dips and Pringles and frozen pizzas that are plant-based or healthy plant-based diets, you know, fruits, vegetables, things that have one ingredient, an eggplant has one ingredient, eggplant, there was a very big difference in the development of cardiovascular disease with a healthy plant-based diet index versus unhealthy. So, yes, I'm concerned that occasionally having a Beyond Meat sausage on a grill is fun on July 4th. And, you know, you're out with your friends at a bar and there's the Impossible Burger on the menu. Never would have seen that two years ago. But that should be a treat for a person that doesn't have serious medical illness. They're not health foods as far as we can determine. Right. Um, you know, they are processed, they have added ingredients, and they have a pretty high added fat content from oil. So uh, it's a rare item in my own diet by choice. Gotcha. And I, I couldn't uh, help but to mention or observe that you mentioned almond milk. So I'm assuming, you know, that when we say plant-based and you're avoiding dairy, if you could dive a little bit into that, because, you know, I'm trying to eat more and more plant-based, but my uh, kryptonite, so to speak, is pizza. And then uh, the other day in the uh, doctor's, physician's, uh, you know, conference room, someone was talking about cheese and milk being inflammatory. Uh, and uh, so why is it that we should be avoiding, or at least in your thoughts, avoiding cow milk and going towards some of these alternate uh, yeah. type options? You know, and I, I like to be uh, fair with the data. It's not a, you know, it's not um, a religious fervor. It's trying to make the best recommendation of the public and the patients. Sure. So in general, the Mediterranean diet is a relatively low dairy diet, and it's usually the touchstone we go to as a foundational diet that the public can adopt and enjoy, um, other than some traditional cheese like feta in Greek, Greece and um, Parmesan in Italy, and the authentic Italian Parmesan is actually lower in fat than what you're going to see in the stores here. It's not a very heavy dairy diet, and there's good outcomes. The Okinawan diet, traditional Japanese diet, was essentially dairy dairy-free, very much associated with health and longevity. There's not too many dairy, dairy-rich diets that are associated with health and longevity. In fact, uh, Finland uh, had the highest heart attack rate in the world in the late 60s, early 70s, East Finland particularly, called North Karelia of East Finland. And there was a public program to dramatically drop their butter and their cheese intake. And like within five years, heart attack rates dropped tremendously too. So we have some public health data that it's there. Now, the fairness that I throw out is there is some data that fermented dairy, maybe like you're going to find in a kefir and a lassi and a traditional yogurt, Bulgarian yogurt. I'm, I'm, I'm of Indian background, so I appreciate you uh, yeah. saying lassi. I appreciate yeah, that. You know, yeah, there is some data about blood pressure benefits, neutrality in terms of heart disease. The problem is the USDA subsidies and the fact that, you know, the crust of the pizza has cheese in it and the amount of cheese on the pizza has right. doubled and tripled. And just the volume of cheese we're eating is dramatically higher than 30, 40 years ago. So I choose to have zero cheese. I've learned to love a cheeseless pizza. There are rice-based substitutes, soy-based substitutes, um, nut-based substitute cheeses that one can put on. And many of the 
a pizza chains even if you're on the road and you're pulling into a traditional pizza chain they'll give a vegan cheese option again that gets into the gray zone of maybe a bit of on the unhealthy plant-based index right um uh you know a lot of people the asian community african-american community 80 to 90 percent are lactose intolerant they just don't have the enzyme and the first week they go dairy free is the first week they stop having gas and bloating and burping and they enjoy that as a a benefit um, some of us have an allergy to casein the major protein and will also have uh health improvements it's a pretty simple test actually a casein antibody test uh, if you're looking for food allergies um, and then there's a bit of a data that dairy may increase a chemical in the blood called insulin-like growth factor one and may promote cancer growth in the prostate. I generally advise my prostate cancer patients that show up in my cardiology clinic to go dairy-free for prostate health. But, you know, this is nutrition science, and I can find five studies and you'll find three that will question, you know, do we absolutely know this for certain? And everybody digs their heels in because there's a whole lot of money in the food industry and change is happening, but it's always going to be fought back by the meat industry, the dairy industry. I mean, they've got to protect their, their investments interests. and their shareholders. Sure. I was so, when I was watching this um, documentary, I was so surprised how much corporate influence there is in like yeah. some of the, the health societies, like, you know, I think Taco Bell has given money to the American Heart Association, yeah. Pepsi with the Diabetes, American Diabetes Association, which is mind-boggling to me. So do you think that's one of the biggest barriers to implementing a, you know, a totally plant-based uh, diet? Well, it certainly contributes to confusion. I mean, the American Heart Association does a lot of good things, and I volunteer oh, for them yes. over the time. But the, but, but the fact that their symbol ends up on Fruit Loops because it's got whole grains in it, you know, it completely confuses the public and makes them open to criticism. And you're right. I can remember going to many American Art Association national meetings, and there's the tent to provide free medical care sponsored by Coca-Cola. Again, it's, it's you know, they need funding and they need donations. It's no uh, surprise that these companies are trying to get, you know, a toehold in on health organizations, and they accept the money. It has to stop. It's embarrassing. Right, the movie What the Health had slides over where all the funding is going to the American Cancer Society. Uh, it speaks poorly of the judgment of those organizations, uh, and I don't support it. Um, and, uh, you know, whether it is, like, for example, in October, five papers were published in the Annals of Internal Medicine that uh, recognized that eating meat increased the risk of developing diseases like diabetes and cancer and early death. But concluded that the that the risk was so small there was no need for the public to adjust their diet well six weeks later the paper was modified that some of the investigators had taken money from the meat industry and that's actually in the headlines today as a bit of a topic of conflict there's there's a lot of money that muddies the water right. the smoking industry knew when the public's confused they're going to keep smoking right now the public's confused eggs cheese meat dairy these guys can't figure it out. They're fighting each other on TV and in the media. Let's just keep doing what we're doing until uh, you know, we drop dead or we actually get truth out of all of this. So key here is always follow the money. You know, I, just to take it in a little different direction, uh, we've talked a lot about um, ethnic uh, disparities, you know, in terms of talking about health on our show. And, you know, there will be some people out there who will say, well, you know, it's very expensive uh, for certain people, um, certain uh, neighborhoods, certain uh, areas – 
of let's say whatever city you're in to eat healthy. The you know the availability of fast processed foods is cheap and quick and easy, and finding uh, whole foods or some fresh fruit or a vegetable stand is difficult. So what do you tell uh, patients that say, look, doc, it's just too expensive for me to feed my family of four or family of five uh, with plant-based foods? Yeah. So, I mean, first of all, the reason that fast foods are cheap to some extent is a very, very sordid, you know, arrangement going on for decades. And, um, you know, U.S. subsidies, uh, corn and soy and dairy and the corn and soy are being used to uh, feed fish and feed animals so that uh, right. the the whole process is cheaper. Somebody has calculated that the cost of a family of four going into McDonald's should be four to five times higher than they're actually paying if the government subsidies disappeared. And the insanity, and you know it and I know it is, those foods promote colorectal cancer, diabetes, obesity, high blood pressure, early death. And then they're in the medical system and uh, we're, we're paying it, you know, we're getting cheaper food and very expensive medical care out of the same meal. Very it's good point. absolutely yeah. insane. But go fight City Hall and go uh, really try and shake things up and uh, create a, a change in uh, food subsidies. It's going to take, you know, generations. Uh, it should be one fell swoop and just uh, ban them. Uh, number two, if you go back to traditional eating, I mean, buying a giant bag of rice, brown rice, is not expensive. Giant, a, a giant bag at a bulk or discount store or a market of pinto beans and black beans and kidney beans is not expensive. Showing up at a grocery store at the end of the day or a farmer's market in the late afternoon and buying out some of the farmer's produce uh, that they don't want to take back to their farm is not expensive. Uh, meat's expensive when you're not in a fast food restaurant. Chicken right. and pork can be expensive if you're not in a fast food restaurant. You know, spices are inexpensive. So if we, you know, we don't have to worry about organic, that's not really the first criteria of what defines healthy food. You know, if we get back to kind of rustic native eating, um, it's, a, it's an absolute irony, but I have friends in Detroit that go out to Indian reservations and have to teach these people that are suffering terribly from obesity, type 2 diabetes, high blood pressure, because they're eating government food at a discount or free, have to go back and teach them, here's how you make a corn tortilla. Here's how you make uh, pinto beans. So and basically rice teaching them how to eat, how their ancestors used to eat. It was years ago. Right, it was right. 800 years ago. But the cultural ability to do this has changed so much. Fascinating. That yeah. we, you know, we send teams out to teach them how to eat plant-based, inexpensive, uh, and it works. We also forget that uh, fresh plant-based and fresh produce actually tastes better. than So once you stop eating like the processed foods, and you eat something natural and, and wholesome, when you're going back to it, it's like you, you feel sick. So I, that speaks volumes of what actually you're eating, and it's probably not good for you. Uh, I couldn't agree more. I mean, actually tasting garden-fresh vegetables. I was in Israel three weeks ago, and, you know, you really get reminded what a fresh tomato tastes like. And you see tomatoes for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You see salad for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Israel has the lowest rate in the world of illness and death related to poor nutrition. And it's just the abundance of salads and vegetables you see at every meal, kind of interesting statistic. And it's chickpeas and hummus everywhere and gets the idea, are beans healthy or beans unhealthy? Well, they're working pretty well in the Mediterranean basin. So tell us the truth now. I mean, uh, when you're in Israel, uh, do you cheat a little bit and have some baklava? Because I, I have to tell you, I have a hard time throwing down a good piece of baklava. Well, I, I actually didn't this trip. Uh, oh, you're strong. You're very good. I huh? know, yeah. 
There, well, there, as you may know, Israel has become uh, a real uh, haven for plant-eating vegan restaurants. So if I saw a baklava in a vegan restaurant, I'd have it. I think traditionally it's white with butter between the phyllo dough. So right. uh, I live in Detroit where we have the largest Arabic population in the United States. So I can get baklava. You can get anywhere, I see. <laughs> yeah, literally there's baklava dispensing machines, you know, but I don't eat it too, too often. Oh, it's excellent. You know, and you mentioned Detroit. I mean, just to as we're winding down here, just uh, I understand there's a lot of this reclaimed farm foodie trend going on there, where you have like these inner city farms and you know people kind of um, reclaiming uh, old neighborhoods. And it sounded very fascinating to me. I've heard that Detroit's really changing in terms of its uh, food destination. You know, it's becoming a you know a healthy eating destination now. Is that true? Yeah, it's improving. I mean, the reality is the population of the city of Detroit is about half of what it was 30 years ago. Right. Uh, the mayor and the team has done a pretty good job of reclaiming some of these uh, abandoned houses and uh, creating green spaces. And there is a lot of urban farming, and now it's transitioning to really 12-month-a-year with hoop farms. Um, and it's wonderful, you know, supplying restaurants, supplying schools. You really do see it. And there are some really good medical clinics. Um, a lot of people know who Mitch Album is and author, and he funds a lot of these free medical clinics. And they're usually attached to some kind of urban garden. So at least during six months of the year, you know, I can write a prescription when I volunteer there for fruits and vegetables where they just walk across the street to the garden as well as anything else they need. I mean, that's that's really the ideal example of, you know, great medicine that's life-changing. Oh, that's awesome. That's great. Well, I thank you. We thank you so much for all this information. We could talk to you for probably hours on end. Oh, we have a lot. We'll have to come back because we actually have, I mean, we want to talk about intermittent fasting. I want to talk about uh, cardiovascular disease and Southeast uh, uh, Asian population, but we'll have to wait till next time. Um, (laughs) Can you you let us know where our listeners can find you? I don't want to give it all away in one conversation. I agree. Oh, there you go. We'll have to have a part two for sure. Can you can you let our listeners know where the where to find you? Get more information about you and you, I, I know you have some books. Yeah, everything that I do is centrally located at drjoelkahn dot com. D r j o e l k a h n dot com. There's a link to books and a link to my clinic, and I have some restaurants in Detroit that are plant based uh, that put gray hair in my head, but they're joyful. So yeah, everything is at one site. Thank you. Well, we're hoping when we come to Detroit, we could actually visit you at the Green Space Cafe. We'll have to talk about that next time as well. But Dr. Okay. Yeah, but Dr. Khan, thank you so very much for uh, taking time out of your busy schedule to join us today. Um, uh, we you hope, guys are doing I, a great job. Well, Keep we, it up. we appreciate you. You gave us so much awesome information. Um, as always, this is your co-host, Dr. Seward Sugger, joined with my esteemed colleague, Esteemed is right. Dr. Clinton Coleman. Coming to you from Holy Name Medical Center in lovely Teaneck, New Jersey. Until next time, keep eating plant-based diet and be well. Check out recent episodes and learn more about these two modern medicine men and their podcast at holyname.org slash recommended daily dose.